This is not your average financial podcast, episode 87, How to Get Wealthy While Paying Your Taxes, part two. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Glad to have you all join us today. My name is Mark Willis, one of your co-hosts, one half of your co-hosts, and with me in the studio today is Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Hello, hello. Thank you, Mark. I feel like some of these titles are uh, just salacious in their uh, concepts. I mean, getting wealthy while paying our taxes. I mean, I hope nobody working at the IRS is listening. No, mm-hmm. just kidding. Just kidding. We welcome all listeners, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's it's awesome. We can't wait to get into this content today. There's so much to cover. Um, so let's start with this. We enjoy, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, it's It's getting into summer. We're all, hopefully you're listening to this on a beach somewhere. Uh, and we can live vicariously through you if you are. Uh, but we enjoy some incredible freedoms uh, as citizens and taxpayers in this country. And we get it. We understand that these freedoms, these liberties are not free. Uh, we know that it takes sacrifice and contributions. And we know that we're all uh, needing to pay our fair share. It's important to cover your tax bill, right? That's one way you can do your civic duty, you might say. And I definitely realize that uh, there are potholes to fill in our city right now. So (laughs) happy to pay my taxes. So uh, while we might take issue with the policies maybe our country takes at time to time or the way our taxes are being spent by our government, taxes by themselves are not evil. They might be a necessary evil, but they're not evil, right? So that said, as financial professionals uh, and speakers to you today on this podcast, we know that there are better and worse ways to fulfill your obligations as a taxpayer. There's a better and worse way to pay those taxes. We talked about that the last episode. In fact, we want to show you how to turn a necessary evil, like paying your taxes, into maybe what could be the greatest wealth-building opportunity that you might be missing. So if that's not a teaser, I don't know what is, right? Today, we'll be learning about how you can even build wealth while paying your taxes. Yes, I actually said that. Build wealth while paying your taxes uh, on that tax payment that you're sending in. Okay, so even if you get a tax refund every year, listen to this episode uh, because it's for you as well. Yep. And so just to real quickly recap in our last episode, again, this is part two of a two-part um, episode. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, definitely highly recommend you go back and listen to that real quick. But just to kind of do um, a quick recap of what we were sharing there at the end, with this particular strategy, we're looking at using a bank-on-yourself type whole life insurance policy to, ba- to pay for the biggest recurring expense we have in our life. And that's our tax obligation. Um, and we do this, we're particularly looking to this type of plan and policy and strategy because it has three key features, not because we picked it out of a hat, not because it sounds cool, not because because <laughs> it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. And not because, again, we're just like, you know, ter- terribly biased. It's, it's because of how these plans work that it makes sense. And so these three key features that um, this type of strategy can offer, the first is access and control over your, over your money. So 
that's an important feature. It has to be accessible and you have to be the one that has access to it. So if you have cash value inside of a whole life insurance policy, that's with the right company, you have a contractual right to policy loans and to be able to take that uh, money out when you need it and as much as you need of what's, mm-hmm. you know, what's actually in there. Um, second feature is the flexibility of repayment terms. So when you have, again, a properly structured policy with the right company, you can pay back any loan that you take from it on your own schedule or even not at all if you if you wish. So it is a 100% flexible um, kind of repayment schedule or lack thereof. And um, you can really you know do with it what you need it to be. Now, that sounds too good to be true. How could it be that we don't have to pay it back at all? Well, because if you don't pay it back at all, you know, this is a life insurance contract. And so realistically, you should be holding on to it until, I mean, forever for you until the day that you pass away is when this policy should eventually pay out. And what they would do is if you still had any you know, loan balance on your policy, they would simply just deduct it from your death benefit. So, you know, depending on what that death benefit amount is or and how much your loan is, your family could still get a decent chunk of cash, just minus what you happen to leave out there. All right. So you gave us number one, access and control over your money. Two, flexibility of repayment of policy loans. What about number three? Three is uninterrupted compounding of your money. So what does that mean? It means that you know, whatever amount you borrow, whatever you end up taking out, that same amount continues to earn money continues to grow in the form of interest, dividends, and then also, um, you know, the equity in your policy as long as you live and as long as your policy remains in force. So even after you've taken that money out, it means it's going to continue to grow. So that's where this uninterrupted compounding of your money comes from. As soon as it's in the policy, there are very, very few things you can do that would result in that money ever stopping to grow over your lifetime. Hmm. Okay, good. So we're going to dive into the rest of this episode, and it's going to be a fairly in-depth conversation about how you can use this policy with those three characteristics that Holly just mentioned for your tax payment. Uh, So there are three steps to getting wealthy uh, while paying your taxes. The first, put money into the policy that you'd planned on using to pay your taxes, okay? As you can, also put into the policy funds that you'd be saving otherwise for your retirement. So it's sort of a combo package there. You're throwing your tax payment into the policy. In addition, you also need to be saving for your retirement future, right? That's maybe your self-tax for your future self, right? Uh, The second step, so the first step is put in the money you were going to pay in taxes and retirement into the policy. The second is to borrow that cash out to pay your taxes as you normally would once a year. And then finally, pay your premium all year long, monthly, quarterly, annually, as you save for next year's tax bill. Okay, so we're making this not just a one-time, one-off tax savings, but a strategy for paying a lifetime of tax uh, payments over your entire life, right? Uh, So let's look at some specific numbers. And we will have these numbers in our show notes. So be sure to look at this as long as you're not driving down the street or something. And there are going to be a couple of charts on our show notes. And again, to get to the show notes, you just click on our little title or swipe, you know, to the right or whatever, and you can scroll down and find all those show notes. It depends on how your app works, but there is going to be some notes in the show notes and specific charts that you can walk and follow along with us on as we go through this. So 
Uh, I should also really stress that these are realistic numbers and there are a lot of real world considerations going into the charts and the design of the policy that we're putting together here for you. I'm also going to just mention as we get into this that you should take your own individual situation and describe it to someone who has been properly trained in the bank on yourself concept and knows your tax situation. So since we can only touch on some of the highlights in this short episode today. And again, also, this example is predicated on the assumption that the business owner's recurring tax bill is $90,000. So with this particular example, the, um, you know, the, the show notes and looking at these images will really help. But to, to just kind of give you the numbers, um, we are assuming that this particular business owner has a recurring tax bill of $90,000 a year mm-hmm. um, and that this amount is being deposited directly into the cash value portion of his policy. So many business owners may have tax bills ranging in the millions of dollars. Uh, We just use $90,000 for simplicity's sake and for its adaptability in adjusting it to your own particular situation. So we had to pick a number. $90,000 happened to be what we picked. So this business owner um, also was realizing a net profit of $50,000 just each and every year. and or better, fifty thousand or more each year for the last several years, and that was the money that he just kind of wanted to save for his retirement. Um, money, there's just kind of his extra um, that he was wanting to kind of set aside, but wasn't convinced a tax postponed retirement plan like an IRA was the answer. Okay, great. So thank you, Holly. So to summarize. With the first illustration, the first chart that we're showing, we have a business owner who would normally be paying 90 grand a year in taxes, and he's also putting that payment uh, alongside his $50,000 of profit that he wants to save for his retirement into one policy. So if you take $90,000 plus $50,000, you get his contribution or premium to the whole life insurance contract of $140,000. And that's designed uh, specifically for the bank on yourself concept. And then he's going to borrow out from that policy $90,000 in the first year in order to pay his tax bill. And not just in the first year, but every single year uh, as he makes his regular tax payment. So if you notice on that chart, he's going to take a loan of $90,000 each year to pay his taxes. Even so, the net cash value, uh, which is the ba- you know basically the cash value, which is the balance of how much he has in the policy minus the loan, that cash value is continuing to grow. And by year five, even though he's got a policy loan of $400,000, okay, that's the amount of the $90,000 a year of tax loans that he's been taken out from his policy and not paying those loans back, by the way, without repaying the loan, he still has a $400,000 loan. And even so, he still has uh, a quarter million dollars of cash value. Okay, so he's got a loan of 400,000 on the policy and a net cash value after the loan is considered for over $250,000. So that's the bottom line uh, kablam of putting together these uh, these two features of his retirement savings and his tax payments. He has all this money paid out to the government as he needed, and he's got a quarter million dollars, more than a quarter million dollars in cash value just by paying his taxes this special way, right? That's awesome, but if you're like most people, your your heart's starting to race, your palms are starting to sweat. You're like, wow, that's $400,000 loaned against this policy. How in the world are we ever going to pay that off, right? Bit anxious as you're watching that policy loan balance really balloon over the years. Mm-hmm. So what about all these policy loans that he's not paying back, Holly? Yeah, so I touched on this a little bit earlier, but we'll go over it again. Uh, first of all, remember that there's 
like we talked about, no requirement to repay them. There's no requirement to repay the loans during your lifetime. While loans do accrue interest and excess loans that exceed the cash value could potentially terminate or lapse your policy. Um, however, if you're fully funding your policy premium, that scenario becomes very unlikely. Uh, when you pass away, the loan is paid off and netted out by your total death benefit, like we talked about mm -hmm. before. So for example, um, after taking out the loans and not repaying them for 20 years, Tommy Taxpayer is 65 years old. He has a policy loan balance of $2.8 million. That's a big loan. That's a big loan. And that's a lot of money that was paid to the IRS over 20 years that's that true. otherwise would have been just, you know, poof, gone. Um, and he also has a total death benefit of $8.6 million, though. But because of his $2.8 million policy loan, his family would only receive uh, $5.8 million. So that's the $8.6 minus the $2.8. And um, that leaves us with kind of what's left over is $8.5 million. So his family is just going to have to suffer mm, um, with yeah. only, you know, almost $6 million to split between them. I, I, hope, I yeah. hope they can handle yeah, it. Yeah, they're going to have to spread out those rice and beans nice and, nice and lean. Yeah. <laughs> and also, by the way, if he doesn't pass away at age 65, he has $1.2 million in his cash value at that same time, even factoring in his loan balance. So his loan balance of 2.8 is still there, and he still has 1.2 um, that he can use for whatever he'd like. That's cash value that um, he can spend without taxes due throughout his retirement years, all by saving money in the policy for his retirement right alongside his tax payment he was going to have to pay wow anyway so it's sort of a it's sort of a Batman and Robin kind of scenario here where the the tax bill is helping to cover that expense and by putting into the policy right alongside your retirement savings you're putting both of them together to sort of be a dynamic duo for solving the biggest expense of your life which is your taxes and the biggest you know, savings of your life, which is your retirement. And they work so well together that you just described it. He still had, even though he never paid the loan off, mm -hmm. he's over a million dollars in cash value that he can spend just by saving into the policy alongside his tax uh, payment. Yeah. And so really in the two examples we're going to share with you guys today, that's our worst case scenario. That's the worst case. Yeah. That's our worst case scenario. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, so the, the worst case scenario with this is you still have a lot of money, mm. even if you never pay your loan. Why, back. why worst case? Because he never paid the loan off. Yeah. Right? Just saying he never paid the loan back. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a worst case scenario because he, you know, only was saving. He was taking from the policy and just never paid anything. Ripping back. loans out every year. And this is over a 20 year period. And he never put a penny toward loan repayment over mm -hmm. 20 years. So from age 45 to age 65, he never put a penny more into the policy than he was required to by his premium. Yeah. Wow. So for this particular person in their example, obviously, you know, each individual's would be different. That is the least amount he's going to get from his policy. Yeah. Let's right? talk about, let's talk about then what happens if you come across a few windfalls mm -hmm. in your business, right? Yeah. Most business owners that I meet anyway are that are even moderately successful will find at least occasional windfalls of profit. You know, it's going to be early in the business's life, you're going to be strapped for cash. You know, you're going to be scrapping to just make it over that hurdle. But, you know, after you get over the hurdle, it's sort of more about landing those big accounts or selling that big block of inventory. And windfalls just become a part of the business owner's life. 
It also happens uh, that the business owner is uh, the one that's most likely going to be writing massive checks to the IRS for 50,000 bucks or 100,000 bucks or even more, uh, $250,000 a year in taxes, right? So it just so happens that the windfall uh, receiver is going to have the big tax obligation later to the IRS. So once again, this strategy works so well for the business owner, even though it does work well for any person who's just tired of writing checks to the IRS. So let's return to our friend now, Holly, uh, and our business owner, Mr. Tommy Taxpayer, and recall he was putting aside $90,000 a year for his taxes, and he was saving $50,000 a year to save for his retirement and his financial future, and that was the $140,000 a year going into the policy. So the power of using the policy is rather than using two separate accounts, one for his tax payments, one for his retirement, is that by using that non-direct uh, recognition loan feature uh, of the bank on yourself type whole life policy, he's getting a compounding dividend on his money each year, even when he's sending it into the IRS for $90,000 a year. Uh, I mean, that is $90,000 each and every year that's continuing to grow without interruption. That's an incredibly powerful way to make sure that you're not losing all that money as it slips through your fingers to the IRS. Okay, so now let's say that Tommy's uh, business uh, is uh, covered for the next 20 years, but now let's say he has a couple of windfalls of over half a million bucks uh, that he comes across. Let's say he comes across a windfall of half a million dollars every five years, okay? So if you're not driving down the road, again, pull over if you are, uh, look at our show notes. We're imagining now that Mr. Tommy Taxpayer every five years has a windfall of that half a million dollar uh, number, and that's a profit that he can put right into his policy and wipe out his policy loan, and that frees up that cash value, and it also reduces his loan balance at the same time. So that allows him to continue to cycle windfalls into his policy, something he could not have done without the loan there. So let me say that again. This policy, in order for it to retain some specific tax advantages, cannot accept more than the $100,000 a year of premium that goes in, okay? That's uh, in order for the government to consider this a life insurance policy and not an endowment contract. So we cannot exceed that annual contribution or premium into this policy. In this case, the amount was $140,000, but every policy has a different maximum that can be put into the premium of the policy. If you overfill the bucket of your particular policy, it spills out all over the place and loses some tax advantages. We are going to be talking more about those specific elements and what a modified endowment contract is in an upcoming episode. Yep. So once again, Tommy's maximum he could put into his policy was $140,000 a year. But we just found a way for Tommy taxpayer in a single year to put in an additional $500,000 into his policy and still keep his tax advantages. That's so huge. So, you know, we're looking at a way, kind of a way around the government's, it's not really a sneaky or trick or anything, but it's it's a way around the the limitation of only putting $140,000 into an, uh, a policy. Uh, by paying off a loan, you're able to squeeze more money into the policy and still keep it non-MEC mm-hmm. or tax-free. Yep. So your money needs a place to live. So when you receive an inheritance or you sell your business or even a substantial performance bonus at work or whatever your situation is, it's all about knowing where your money can live so that it does what you want it to do, right? It's behaving in the way that you want it to. So in Tommy's case, by flooding this policy with windfalls and repaying his policy loan, it limits the loan interest on the policy. It also keeps the money available for other capital purchases that he might need. Um, Like if you need to 
buy some business equipment, uh, but of course, keeping enough in his policy to pay for his taxes as well. So this reality becomes a workhorse for his business, helping his dollars do so much more than just you know one job at a time. You don't need to have Tommy's specific numbers to make this strategy work. It's all I mean, proportional to your situation. It works as well with $5,000 windfalls or $5 million windfalls. Um, if you already pay taxes, and if you're mm-hmm. an adult, I, I hope you are, yep. <laughs> um, and you want to save for your retirement anyway, this strategy could be your strategy. So I'm looking at the end of the story now for Mr. Tommy Taxpayer. And so he's been paying that $140,000 into his premium and every year taking ninety grand a year out to pay the taxes. And in this scenario, he's also stumbling across windfalls of roughly half a million bucks every five years. After 20 years, he's paid his taxes. He's saved for retirement for 20 years, and now he's 65 years old. And when he retires, he sells his business, okay? And he uses that sale of the business to wipe out the final loan balance on his policy as a kind of a final windfall, you know, you might say. At that point, he has $4.1 million in cash value in his retirement. So if you think back to the first scenario, he had $1.2 million if he never touched the loans, never repaid the loans. By consistently finding ways to pay down his policy loan, he now has $4.1 million that he can spend any way he wants in his retirement years. Mm-hmm. And again, the point is not to focus on you know, the exact numbers here, but to realize the power of using an uninterrupted compounding growth system to make major recurring purchases for your business or for your family life. Um, Maybe you owe more each year to the IRS than Tommy. Maybe you owe far less. The strategy still works. If you own a home, maybe you have an annual property tax problem. You could use this strategy. Or if you send your kids to private school, you could use this strategy for that same purpose. Or if you just want to go on vacation every year and you you, you you could use this policy as your source of funds for vacation, then save for next year's vacation inside the policy by repaying your policy loan. I mean, what else could you use bank on yourself strategy for? I mean, endless, an endless list of things. Yeah. And what if you don't owe taxes every year? Maybe, in fact, you're getting a refund and you're like, what's this whole episode all about? And why do I, why am I still listening to it at this point, right? If you're getting a (laughs) refund, I highly recommend that you squeeze that refund down to as small a number as possible. Refunds are not free money from the government. It's, it's your money. When you get a refund, the IRS is simply returning the money that they kept from you. They literally stole it right off your paycheck over the last 12 months. To get your money back, to get your money back, you had to fill out a bunch of paperwork called a tax return just to prove to them that it was actually your money that they took. How does that sound, right? And they didn't pay you any interest, by the way, for holding your money all year long. In fact, they could simply audit you and then take the money right back if they decided they wanted to keep it after all. Okay, so take a hard look at your refund. It's not um, a simple savings plan for yourself. Definitely not. It's the most expensive way to do it if if it is a savings plan. (laughs) So I hope this has expanded your imagination. I hope this idea of using the policy, uh, this bank on yourself type policy to pay uh, for the obligations of life. I hope it's expanded your imagination. However, what are you going to do with this information? What are you going to do now that you know about it? Now, you know, what do they say? Uh, great power uh, uh, is, uh, is uh, what's the phrase? Uh, with great, with power great power comes great responsibility. Thank you, Spider-Man. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how will it's you actually ma- his uncle, uncle ben, ben, who says it. Uncle Ben. 
How will you make this change now that you have this responsibility in your life, now that you've got this information in your life? How are you going to make a change on how you make major purchases? Are you simply going to take this information and just roll right into the next podcast or roll right into the next meeting? Or will you do something about it? Will you possibly recapture hundreds or thousands or even millions of dollars for your own financial future and the future of your family? Yeah, I certainly hope so. But the best way to find out um, really if this strategy would work for you is to reach out to us and schedule a 15-minute phone call. We'll answer questions that we couldn't get to on this on this episode as well as, you know, what your particular situation is like, which we also can't discuss, you know, on, on a podcast because we don't know what it is. Questions that could determine if this would be a good fit for you or not. Reach out to us by going to our website, uh, notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. Click on the request a meeting link and find a time right on our calendars. So thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.